Happy 2021. I hope this year is off to a really good start for you, and we don't know what this year brings, but we know that God is willing to help us as we walk through it. Football teams have playbooks, and successful players, they memorize the playbook, and they know it inside and out, so they they can execute the plays. It, it is really frustrating for the rest of the team if a player keeps going the wrong direction on a play and they don't know the playbook at all. Here's a picture from a page of a 1999 Rams playbook. This is an old playbook because you aren't going to find the current playbook on the Internet. Um, those are kept top secret. Playbooks show the mind of the head coach. Here's the current Rams head coach, Sean McVay. He was the, at 30, he was the youngest head coach in NFL history. And now he's the ripe old age of 34, almost turning 35. To be successful, teams need to know the plays, the playbook of the head coach and execute it to make it happen on the field. The amazing thing is God himself wants to be our head coach in life. If we choose to live for him and we follow his playbook, that turns out to be the best kind of life we can have. To the extent we execute his playbook, life keeps getting better and better. God doesn't keep his playbook secret. He lays it out there in the Bible in scripture for all to see. The title of this message series is Proven Playbook, Family Edition. We've done a Proven Playbook series before, but this one's going to focus on family life and how to make the most of it according to God's design. Before I dig into the top topic of teaming in marriage, I want to walk through our approach to this series, which, frankly, is the way we approach everything we do at CIV. First of all, the Bible is God's word to us. If you go to our website and you look at the page, uh, What We Believe, you'll find this statement about the Bible. The Bible is God's word to us. It was written by human authors, authors. Under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit, it is the supreme source of truth for Christian beliefs and living. Because it is inspired by God, it is the truth without any mixture of error. This is not only our position as a church, but it's my personal conviction as a Christ follower. I've found that the Bible is sufficient for every area of my life. And God has given guidance for everything that matters in my life. And if I'll follow it, life goes better. A key passage for this is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God. That means it, he exhaled it. It's, he is the source. It's not, the Bible isn't inspired like, uh, a playwright is inspired. But these are the very words of God. It's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This passage illustrates a process that God has taken me through time and time again, probably hundreds of times at least, to learn his ways and adopt his perspective on life. It says there's teaching, correction, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. First is teaching. As I read God's word, he shows me the path that I should be walking on in a specific area. Next, there's reproof. He shows me where I've gotten off the path. And that's gracious. And then reproof is followed by correction. Through his word, the Lord shows me how to get back on the path uh, that I should be on. And then finally, this is how I get training in righteousness. Through this process, God shows me how to stay on the path that I should walk on. This is the way, through this process, this is the way that the Bible becomes our proven playbook because we prove it to be right over and over again. And the more we adopt God's ways uh, revealed in the scripture, the better life goes. Another key aspect of our approach in this series is basically God doesn't think like we do. It's easy to imagine that God is a lot like us but bigger, stronger, smarter. Uh, he, he thinks like us, but he's, he's only thinks at a higher level than we do. We tend to think that God thinks like we do, but he doesn't. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says. God is speaking here, and this is what he says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This means we have to make a shift and live according to God's thoughts and ways. I should reject my best ideas if they conflict with what God says in Scripture. God's our maker. He knows the best way to live. He he made us, and he invented us. And he invented family life for our enjoyment. And it will go better if we approach it his way. Final part of our approach to this series is we're going to acknowledge during this series the tension between God's ideal and the broken world's real. Often, we feel this tension. And it is, it can be agonizing to feel it. It can be very, very discouraging. We know what's ideal, but then there's the real that we're experiencing, and it doesn't match up at all. Here's a picture of our family on a recent outing. Uh, this is a pretty good picture. It's, it's beautiful, the setting. Um, but don't look too close because some of the folks didn't want to be there, and it was difficult, this outing. That's the way it is. In reality, we're all a mess. Me, you, all of us, we're, we're a mess. There is no perfect marriage. There is no perfect family. 
or certainly there's no perfect child. It can be so discouraging to experience the real of the broken world in family life. In his playbook, God wants to help us to move toward the ideal. He wants to help us to grow toward it. And in the Bible, there's a great deal of hope for troubled marriages, families, and people, because God is so gracious with us. In the middle of our tension, God gives grace. And the grace that God gives, that he is, is meant to motivate us to change. Titus 2, 11 through 12 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What this passage is saying is, naturally, normally, we're, we're all a mess, but God is gracious to help us change the habits that are making the mess. It's the grace of God that trains us. Jesus Christ, he's, he's the grace of God that has appeared. And he is the one, if we'll trust him, if we'll put our faith in him, if we'll trust what he's done on the cross in dying for our sins, he wipes our slate clean. And it's his grace that helps us grow away from our bad habits. Because it it can be so discouraging to deal with the broken world's real. Family is literally the building block of our society. And it's so important to move toward God's ideal. He's not going to expect us to be perfect, but he wants to help us move more and more toward the way he has designed family life to work. Family is a crucial place where character is formed and attitudes are set. We must allow the grace of God to change us so that our our family life will bless our kids and strengthen them to do his will. God has made the reason he invented marriage very clear in scripture. The purpose of marriage is to team together to do the will of God. In this message, what we're going to do is we're going to draw God's purpose for marriage out of the Bible. It's it's just not good practice to take our ideas, our big ideas, and match them up or find them in the scripture. You'll you'll notice there is no book of marriage in the Bible. That would be great if there was. I mean, we'd just turn to the book of marriage and figure out, you know, what to do, how to handle this. But if you look at the whole of the Bible, that purpose, the purpose of teaming together to do the will of God is the purpose God has given for Scripture. Here's the first statement about marriage in Scripture. Before this statement, 
God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created the woman. And then he, he says this, Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When a man and a woman are married, they become one flesh, like a two-piece puzzle. They complete each other, and they are made to complement one another's strengths. God's design is to team together to do his will on the earth. The context of this passage, Genesis 2.24, was that he, he noticed it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he had, had, he made the woman and he showed them his will and they were to accomplish his will together and live it out. And that's the best kind of life. That's the purpose of marriage. Jesus affirmed this view in Matthew 19, 4 and 5. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Marriage isn't just two random people whose eyes meet across the room and they strike up a conversation. How are you doing? I, I think you're great. <laughs> and then over time, they decide to get married. Here's a scene uh, from a movie, Jerry Maguire, that speaks to this. I love you. You complete me. Now, that's pretty romantic and compelling. It is way better than the way I introduce myself to my wife, Cindy. Hey, you, what's your name? Now, I probably could have thought about it and come up with a better line than that, but hey, it was effective. We're married. But you complete me resonates because it goes to the heart of what we really want and need according to God's design. God designed marriage for us to work as a team, to be a companion for one another, and to work together to do the will of God on the earth. However, when it comes to teaming in marriage, we all face a challenge. We, we must make a major mindset, mindset shift. Uh, going back to our tension between God's ideal and the broken word, world's real, we are all sinners. Even if you follow Christ, you still sin. You're still a sinner. You've been forgiven. You have the power to live differently. But you're still a sinner and will struggle with sin the rest of your life this side of eternity. Each one of us, in fact, Scripture says, have selfishness and arrogance embedded in our hearts. This means we've got to really make a shift to team with anyone in life. That means it's really easy to think about yourself and not anyone else. Therefore, the key mindset shift 
to team in marriage is from me to we. In fact, you may not be married. And I'm, I'm praying that you'll experience the joys of marriage in the future if you've never been married. But to be on any team, you have to make that same mindset shift from me to we. Not just me. I gotta think about more than just me. And when you're married, you are no longer just a me. In reality, you become a we. You go from being an individual to a team. You know, the best quarterback in the world is only one person on a team of 11. He, he's only one player on the field. He, he can't win alone. At a minimum, he needs the center to hike the ball to him, but then he needs others to block, and he sometimes hands the ball to the running back, sometimes passes the ball to the wide receiver. Um, teamwork is essential in both football and marriage and any team that you find yourself on in life. So I would like to take the time to look at six ways the Bible shows us to be a good team in marriage, or really these these apply to any teams that you find yourself on in life. First of all, play your position well. On a football team, there are 11 players on the field for each team. Each player has a role to play. As the team tries to score as many points as possible on offense and stop the other team from scoring when they're on defense. And God has uniquely designed us as male and female. We have equal worth and value before God, but he gives us different roles to play in marriage. I've listed several verses that you can look at on the listening guide and read through. Uh, but basically, the husband has the role of leading courageously in marriage, and the wife is to follow aggressively. This can look very differently in individual marriages, but those are the roles that God has given each player to play. The next way to be a good team is to huddle often. A football team huddles before every play so that the 11 guys can get on the same page. In marriage, a husband and wife must communicate what is going on and work through conflict to get on the same page. And on January 24th, I'm going to talk about the Bible's help for communicating to win. Next, the quarterback needs to call audibles when necessary. The quarterback is the leader on the field. His job is to read situations, what's going on with the defense that they're facing, and act accordingly. He may change the play at the line of scrimmage, even though he called a different play in the huddle. Life is messy and unpredictable. Sometimes the situation that you're facing doesn't quite match the plans you made. Things are changing. They're moving around. And at 
that point, we have two choices. We can whine and complain and blame, which usually escalates conflict, or we can adapt. We can change the play based on the circumstances that are going on right here and now, but we're still working toward the end zone. We're still trying to uh, do the, the purpose that God's given us in our marriage. Don't get into ruts. If you need to take a different approach, change it up. We also need to avoid penalties. Because of our selfishness and arrogance, these things embedded in our heart, we often find that we foul each other. Two common fouls are related to comparison, you know, our status and our stuff, and how much stuff we have, or the stage of life we're in. We look at others in other stages, and we are really want to be in another stage of life right now. Um, we get into complaining as well based on those things. And what we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us through his word or just speak to us in general. Since we know God's ideal, we, we know the ideal, we have an idea of it. We need to let God speak to us and then call a foul on yourself. Get it right with the other person, the, with your marriage uh, teammate. Remember that you and your spouse are on the same team. <laughs> there is a real opponent that we face, and he's constantly trying to drive a wedge. But your spouse is your teammate, not an opponent. On January 31st, we're going to look at our real appoint, uh, opponent in life and in marriage. We also need to call a timeout when needed. Sometimes you need more than a huddle. You, you need extra time to get perspective, to get help. Uh, and I want to encourage you, get, get some time without the kids to reconnect. If you have kids, take a date night. Get some extended time away. It is really difficult with smaller kids, but it's so important that you get the time out and connect with one another. Finally, focus on the goal. Sometimes we get so caught up in the details of life and what's going on right in the here and now, particularly in great stress or hardship, that we forget what we're trying to do in the first place. We forget the pur purpose of marriage is to team together in doing the will of God on the earth. It's very easy to make it about us, isn't it? In our football analogy, the husband and wife are teaming together and God is the head coach. He, he wants to help. The husband and wife relate to each other, but they individually have a relationship to God. Our individual walk with the Lord is the foundation of a good marriage. As we draw closer to God, we draw closer to one another. 
the pastor who married Cindy and I, he used this illustration. He said it's like a triangle. And the man's on one side, or the husband's on one side, the wife's on the other side. And as you grow closer to God, you're moving closer together. And that's what I found to be true. It's really important. God invented marriage. And he promises to help us handle it well as we grow close and closer to him. I want to close with some game changers. In most games, there's game-changing play, especially if it's close. Um, but I'm going to look at a couple of game changers with you right now out of Scripture. First one is to pray. The biggest game changer is to simply pray. When you don't know what to do, pray. If If you haven't been asking God for help with your marriage or your life, I want to encourage you to start. When you don't know what to do, pray. Ask God for help. And he'll give it. He he wants to coach you and I to live life his way. James 1.5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Another game changer is love and kindness. Now, here's a passage that corrects me and gets me straightened out. It re- reproof, I get reproof from it. And it encourages me to do what I need to do in life. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If you're currently struggling in your marriage, just imagine how that particular struggle, the struggles that you're dealing with, would be different if you added in love and kindness and grace, if you developed a tender heart for your spouse. Pray. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him for help. And then commit to show love and kindness. The, the best marriages don't happen by accident, like successful football teams. Uh, they, they take very hard work and commitment to working it out. Every successful team has a proven playbook. And God has given us a proven playbook in the Bible that we can grow to live out and be blessed by that. I want to encourage you to take some next steps based on what I've been talking about. Here are a couple that I want to suggest. They're based on the game changers that I just shared. Uh, which of these do you need to do? First of all, my next step today is to pray. I mean, ask God for help. If you haven't been doing that, start now. Ask God for help to sort out and ask him for the wisdom you need to respond in the situation that you're facing. And then commit to showing love and kindness. God has poured out his love and kindness to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us. And he wants to help us 
take that grace that is poured out, soften our heart, and help us to really bless the people around us. And especially if you're married, to bless your spouse. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the grace of God that appeared. And that your kindness, your grace, is meant to lead us to change. And I pray that, Father, you would help us not to beat ourselves up, but to turn around and change because of your grace that is so amazing. Father, I ask that you'd give us the strength to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts to take today as a result of this message. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.